Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hey, this is a national treasure, and the real world's champion, Nick Aldis, and just when you thought, that every possible wrestling podcast name in the world was taken. Nate comes in with a clinch with the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Based on Nate's unbelievable level of praise for me, I would go ahead and say that Nate sounds like a knowledgeable, smart, trustworthy human being and his expertise should be lauded and appreciated by all of the listeners of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. You're listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Now it's time for our host, Nate Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 95 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson, your host, here with you. This week's show is going to feature an interview, a conversation that Aaron and I had with former ECW star, East Coast independent wrestler, and all-around great guy, Mr. Chad Austin, is on the show this week. We had a great conversation with Chad earlier this week, and I am looking forward to you guys getting to hear the conversation before we get to that, I do want to remind you, of course, i got to do my shameless plugs here. If you're not a member of our We Can't Wrestle Facebook group, please get into the group. We have a lot of fun there. Um, Chad Austin is actually a part of the, the We Can't Wrestle Facebook group. Um, we also have the We Can't Wrestle YouTube page, which there will be a new contest coming up to get subscribers on the YouTube page. Looking forward to sharing that with you sometime this week. Any Sunday night, you can get into the We Can't Wrestle Facebook group, Facebook page, or YouTube and uh, join us for We Can't Wrestle Live. That is where we discuss modern wrestling product. Usually this show kind of consists about classic stuff from the 80s and 90s. So join us for We Can't Wrestle Live on Sundays. Um, also want to mention that coming up in the YouTube page in the next few weeks is going to be some big stuff. So... Stay tuned for that. So there's those shameless plugs for you to get on board with We Can't Wrestle Online. And right now, let's go ahead without further ado and listen to our interview, our conversation with Mr. Chad Austin. Enjoy, wrestling fans. All right, listeners, we are joined here this evening in the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate and Aaron are here with you. Aaron, hello, sir. 
Hello. And we are joined by, you know, WWE used to talk about ECW originals with their bullshit ECW in 2007 or whenever that was. We're talking to a real ECW original, Mr. Chad Austin. Welcome to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Did you look that up? Did you write that? Actually, did you write that intro? No, no, I did not. <laughs> so, you did, how, how was I an ECW original? Well, I I was there when it was Eastern Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Does that make me an original? That makes you an original to me. Yeah, I know. I I, I love I love the fact that people like Bully are in Bubba, and some of the other guys they don't. Well, they they've never not considered me an original. But when they heard about me, they go, "How is he an original?" And Tommy Dreamer had to go like, "You don't remember Chad Austin." <laughs> Well, Chad, how is it going out there? I know Chad's at a bonfire right now. Yeah, man, I'm at a friend's house. This 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 whole entire quarantine has got everybody down, and we're, we're actually sitting at a at a friend's house. Me and my wife are hanging out with another couple, and we're wearing our masks, sitting at a bonfire. <laughs> but they're like neighbors. I saw. So the- we're just getting out of the house, yeah. you know, and. It's it's less than ten people. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We can we can get together. And and, and you and you guys do know you do know that alcohol kills everything. <laughs> yes, that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, well, I've been drinking since uh, Friday of '91. <laughs> <laughs> good man, good man. We usually get pretty hammered while we're doing the show, so. That tends to be the case. Um, Chad, I really appreciate you being on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, Chad is also part of our We Can't Wrestle podcast Facebook group. So, Chad, the first thing I wanted to ask you is who trained you in the business? When did you get started? Um, What attracted you to – actually, what attracted you to wrestling first? What what made you a fan? The men in tights. (laughs) Boy, I got to tell you. (laughs) It was, uh, you know, hello, Frisco. Uh, no, it was, um, uh, see, I'm, I'm 47 and, and, uh, my father said that he took me to see Bruno and, and, uh, and Graham at Baltimore in 77. So I would have been five and I didn't remember that. You know, I didn't, even when I got the tape years later, I didn't even, none of it made sense. And just one of the earliest things that I saw was um, uh, when Valentine broke uh, Chief J's leg. When Valentine broke Chief J Strongbow's leg, because, that, you know, I'm a Baltimore guy, man, right? Yeah. I'm a Baltimore guy. So I, I got WWE. Yeah, here, and, here and in, I was here like, in Ohio, what the fuck that's what I can cuss, right? No, fuck yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, you know, I was like, what the, what the hell is this? And then I started watching it, and, and dude, it got, it got to the point where, like, I got so obsessed that if I had to miss it for some reason, I would take a tape recorder and set it next to the TV, and if I didn't have a VCR, I would record the audio. <laughs> Of the stuff. I mean, that was like the late, late, late seventies. Mm. 
it was just the whole entire the fascination. It was the magic. It was the magic of how it was presented. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The escape from reality, the larger than life characters. Um, I mean, well, well, well. Don't even, don't even forget that I wasn't smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what. So I, I didn't even know how it worked. That's what I was going to ask. Was even at a younger age, were you like, you know, I know this isn't. I know this isn't real, but I was just fascinated on how these guys do it. You know, was that a thing in your mind? Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it kind it kind of was, but uh, I'm I'm, a, I'm guessing that I was more leaning towards that it was real. Yeah. But I just don't know why they're doing it, or or you know. And I'm just like, this is how is this guy wrestling? He just he just fought like last week, <laughs> like on like Johnny Rods. You know, and I'm like, he just got beat up last week, and he's just showing up again. And I'm thinking, like, how many times have these jobbers got to get beat up yeah, like, yeah, before they realize maybe we're in the wrong business? Yeah, like if I went, if I went to work out, <laughs> fucked it up like royally each time, I'd just be like, you know what? It might be time to find another line of work. <laughs> but not Johnny. He's just oh, yeah, of course, Johnny on the spot showing up every night. Not- <laughs> this might be the day, guys. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so what do you? <laughs> well, so what do you do? You get to the you get to the locker room and you see there's a tag team there, and it says, and then you look at you get Johnny Rod and he walks over to Jose Estrada and goes, "This could be our day." Yeah. <laughs> and the, then the other guy, the other Korea guys, Martel. the other guys, <laughs> yeah, the other guys, like I'm not gonna win. I'm teaming with Johnny Rods. <laughs> yeah, you know, even if it's somebody who's not even as good as Johnny Rods, he knows. <laughs> They're, they're not going to win. He's like, not only are we not going to win, but I'm taking the pin. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things. That was one of my favorite things about wrestling. Like, I love the jobbers. And I always, like, I always, I always knew that I was never going to be a big, a big guy. Because like, my, 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 my physical stature, I'm basically an Eddie Gilbert that didn't take steroids. <laughs> That's that by size. Yeah. And, and Eddie Gilbert's my mentor and my, and my hero. And I just, I just kind of had to learn how to work through Eddie Gilbert, how to get over, like how to work your, your size. But I always loved the choppers, even to the point where, when I was a kid, I made a list of a, I took a folder and put the paper in it. Every time I saw a guy get beat up. On TV, I wrote his name in a book. And every once in a while, I go through the book and I see guys' names like Mick Foley, um, you know, other random guys that, you know, even um, Rick, oh, Jesus Christ, Bullpain, who's a friend of mine. Now, I can't even think of his name. He's going to fucking beat me up over this because he's a good friend of mine. And I can't remember his job name in WWE. Um, but guys like that, you're like, all these guys were jobber guys. Mm-hmm. And but I, I got in I got into business because my uncle at the time who was an uncle by marriage was a famous WWE job guy and I mean when I mean famous I mean he was famous Barry Hardy was his name oh wow yeah yeah and he and he teamed up and he te- he te- <laughs> well I mean believe me I'm using the word famous very very strong well, well I and, knew, I knew um, who you were talking and, and about loose, and loosely <laughs> would that be uh, Rick Gatner? Is that his job name? Bull Payne? Rick Gantner. Yeah, fuck yeah. You got it, man. Rick Gantner. And and I, I used to live with Bull, man. I used to live with him 
I love the guy. He's the best. Yeah. And yeah, but, uh, uh, Barry Hardy teamed up with, um, Dwayne Gill on, on WWE TV. And he was my cousin by marriage or whatever. And he had a ring at his house and I was still in high school. And I'd go over there, and I just I just hang out with the guys, and we're talking like late '80s independent wrestling guys, bad. Because <laughs> if you think early '90s, early '90s independent wrestling guys, bad, it was bad. You got to see late '80s independent wrestling guys, bad. One of the things I was that's gonna, a whole different kind of bad. One of the things I was going to ask you about was uh, the metal like maniac type guy. The because uh, I was a PW or a uh, yeah, a, uh, a pro wrestling illustrated kid, and they covered a lot of the East Coast independents in the early '90s. I was going to ask you if you worked with any of those guys at some point. That's that's coming up. <laughs> you know those names like Don Montoya. Um, yeah, yeah, Don Montoya. I did, and that's fucked up because I would be like Don Montoya would be one of the guys that I wouldn't shit on. <laughs> um, there, uh. No, I wouldn't. Actually, I wouldn't shit on anybody. My 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 only thing was, um, it, it really it really depended on, it really depended on where I was at with ECW. Like if it was that time period where I was kind of getting pushed, I I really I really couldn't do a whole lot. You know what I mean? Right. Like I couldn't. I I never minded putting people over, but I I felt like I really shouldn't. Because I don't know where, you know, my push is going. You know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? Yeah, you don't wanna you don't wanna get that stigma or whatever put on yeah. you and then you go there and it's like, Well, we just saw you in Yeah, and then I go back to ECW. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean You're right, man. that's what I thought. Like I, I, I felt like I was in a bad way. Because, you know, I was doing all these little shitty, you know, I, I, I love doing the spot towns. That's my favorite. And doing the spot towns, and somebody asked me to put over a midget or something one night. You know, and I just, like, beat fucking Mikey for the fucking ECW TV title. And they're like, well, we want to put over a midget. And I was like, I don't think I can do that. And the guy was like, oh, look at you. You get one win on TV. I mean, even though there wasn't the internet, that still couldn't have been a huge, booming community of people. I mean, the same people had to be going around watching those shows and everything, so... You know what I mean? Like, if you get that stigma of this guy... Oh, you're saying that nobody would have seen it? No, I'm saying that that more, like, people would have seen it, because there were probably people going from promotion to promotion, fan-wise, so... They'd see you on one show losing to a midget, and then they're supposed to believe a week later on ECW that you can go in man or Mikey Whiprack or whatever. So I get what you're saying. Yeah, because I didn't know how far ECW's TV carried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're watching me and, um, I, you know, I didn't, like, believe me, when I took a booking for. Kaiser, West Virginia. I didn't call the TV, the TV studios. They asked which which independent pro wrestling shows they're carrying <laughs> to see if I'm worried about my career or not. That, that wasn't a priority of mine, so I really didn't care. But I just didn't want anything. 
Dude, listen to this shit. When I went to, um, I, I don't know if you guys even know this, that um, I'm, I'm guessing that I worked for WCW before I worked for Smoky Mountain. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, right. I mean, did you want to get, did you want to get there later on or did you want to just go as it goes? Yeah, we'll just flow as it goes. That's fine. We can just be all over the place. Yeah. I get a, I, I get a call from, um, from Jody Hamilton and I had just started getting the underdog push on ECW and make no mistake about it. As much as I love Mikey, and, and and think he did a he did, he did a better job than I would have done a hundred percent. That was my spot. I, I fucked that spot up, and I, I never told anybody that I never did. I fucked that spot up, and um, I get a phone call from Jody, and I was never an ECW guy. Like I was never that wasn't my style. I didn't want to be there. I got sick of getting beat up. Go back and watch. Go back and Google me on the in ECW and ask me if I had a fantastic time going there. <laughs> and I was I was more of a I, fuck. I did yeah. You know what I mean. I was Tennessee all. I was Tennessee man. Fucking we'll punch you, kick, but you know it's all work. And I wanted to go to Tennessee. I get a call from Jody. And Jody says that WCW is thinking about doing um, um, a cruiserweight title, and I'm thinking like, well, why is he calling me? Because I'm barely, I'm barely better than a jobber in ECW. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just a guy who wins occasionally on TV, and and uh, I'm thinking like, okay, well, if I leave, I can get a decent payday and go. So I go and. I drive down to Atlanta or whatever the fuck the shit was, and they had me on the first night wrestling a big Van Vader, right? And and I'm just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> that's I don't no think cru- big, that's does, no- does somebody weigh big Van Vader. Yeah, that's no cruiser weight. <laughs> <laughs> Did he make weight for the? No, <laughs> I mean, what is going on? And I never talked to the guy. We just go out there and we just you know we just beat the fucking tar off of me. And the worst part was I never talked to anybody in ECW about going because I didn't think that I really worked there. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I never got phone calls every week about bookings or, you know, it was always like, if you show up, we'll use you. If you don't show up, you know, we won't use you. You know, it's not like we need you here. But uh, apparently I was an essential employee that uh, they just failed to let know, <laughs> and they they needed me for some fucking shit, and I'm just like, well, I'm in fucking whatever fucking place, and and um, I get I get home from where I was where I was at, and my mom, I, this was in uh, in somewhere in South Carolina, but I was staying in Tennessee, and my mom's in Knoxville. I get home, and my mom goes, some guy from Pennsylvania named Rob Feinstein or something? Like, he called here and he says, um, do you know that you're fired? And I said, what are you, fired? <laughs> fired from what? She, he goes, she goes, I, I think I think you're fired from ECW. I go, how the fuck did he get your number? How the fuck did he know I was even here? And and he, he even called my mom's house to tell me I was fired before I even got home. 
from the fucking show. And I'm just thinking, like, what the fuck's going on here? What kind of fucking cult is this fucking guy running? <laughs> did you did you ever and, get, did and, you ever even get a reason or anything? Did anybody ever follow up on that? <laughs> no, it happened again. <laughs> it, it it totally happened again when I worked for Smoky Mountain. When I went to work for Cornette, I went to Cor- I went to Cornette. Cause I was going, I was literally just going to my mom's house, like to visit in Knoxville. It's, it's only, it's less than 600 miles. So it's just eight hours of a drive. You know, it's a between the sheets podcast. Fucking listen, it's fucking a marathon. (laughs) But, um, but uh, I'm on my way down there and, and, um, so I, I, I talked to, I, I don't remember the kid's name. I, I want to say his name was Tom and Noe. I'm not positive. And they were in Johnson City, so I stopped off, left my name and number. Uh, as a matter of fact, John McAdams actually said that he saw me there, like with my suitcase, t- talking to um, Brian um, Hildebrand about wanting work. And he said to the guy, like, that's a guy who's hungry and wants to make it because he knew I was from the East Coast. And Cornette booked me for a TV taping, whatever the next, whatever day was. And I drove um, Bruiser Bedlam, which was a huge mistake. <laughs> does, does, does anybody have any stories about Bruiser Bedlam except me? I, was he also Johnny Canine? Is that the guy I'm thinking of? Yes, okay. but he was also somebody else that I don't know who the fuck he was, <laughs> but he threatened to kill me, and it was the first time that I ever believed somebody was going to kill me when they were fucking sitting right next to me. Wow. <laughs> I, ain't never seen, I ain't never seen somebody so confident about I'm going to kill you as, as I saw with Johnny K-9. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I know he... Uh, we, 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 were, we were driving... He had like a. Go ahead, man. Wasn't he up for murder or something at one point? Is I, I think we're talking about the same guy. Yeah, we, yeah, totally. Yeah, like okay. he was like a mob guy. <laughs> okay, yeah, I know exactly and who you're talking I, about. I never knew this. Was this man murdered? Like I never knew this. <laughs> Not just one person. He did. Allegedly, allegedly, yeah, I should say that. Allegedly, like Jimmy Snuka, allegedly. I mean, well, there's a. Well, there's a, there's a good chance that that could have been number three, <laughs> and I had no idea. I had I had absolutely no idea. <laughs> I'm I'm working I'm working for Cornette, right? Mm-hmm. Cornette tells me to um, uh, this is where the show is, somewhere in South Carolina, whatever whatever show I worked at, and um. He's like, well, you're going to drive Bruiser Bedlam. And, you know, it was never a problem driving the guys. That was never a problem. And you're driving the, you're driving the guys, and we're driving down this um, long, like, interstate, like two-lane interstate, and I, I, I guess a tractor and trailer must have jackknifed. So there was like a, you know, a 15-mile backup, pile-up, colli- you know, collision, colliding, you know, bash up, you know, extravaganza thing. And and I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Bruce Bedlam going, I don't think we're going to make it <laughs> to the show. And he goes, Oh, we're going to make it. And, and I just said, 
Um, but what if we can't? <laughs> and he goes, he says, oh, no, we're going to make it. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, I'll tell you what. If we don't make it to the show, I'm going to kill you. Jeez. And I just kind of was like, oh. <laughs> I took it like, you know, really, you're just going to kill me. And he goes, he goes, as in, nobody's ever going to find you again, kill you. And, and I said, so what do you want me to do? And he goes, drive on the side of the road. <laughs> so I, got, I drove on the side of the road about 200 miles. I, I I thought I was one of the Duke boys. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And we, we get to the building and I just... It's a what? It was just as matter of fact as that. Be like, if you don't do this, I'm going to kill you. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. I, I, didn't, I, didn't have, I didn't have an option at all. If somebody was as mad as that... There wasn't a B. <laughs> Yeah, that would freak me out more if somebody was just, like, super calm about it. Not like, you know, Ran and Raven was just as, like, I'm talking to you right now. If you don't do this, I'm going to kill you. Be like, you know what? I believe you. So That, dude, ser- <laughs> seriously, seriously, we we went to the gym. It would be, uh, it would be, it would be me, New Jack, Mustafa, D'Lo, uh, balls, and and him, and 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 that's how we would figure out like where we're at, you know who's driving with who because who's going to what town. Yeah, that, you know how to make sense. Yeah, Bruiser Bedlam and New Jack in the same crew. Yeah, so we, we that's well that wasn't happening in my car. <laughs> 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 you gotta be kidding me! <laughs> I, dude, I mean, like one of the one of the stories I never told on the fucking on the Fantastic Six Hundred Five, the Mothership, was where I was the um, I was the pit bulls. Uh, um, what, what do they call that when they when they stuff the animal with the fucking drugs? The mule. Yeah, I was a mule. Yeah. I was a mule for the pitbulls. <laughs> or sacrificial land. I thought I thought Brian already. Kn- oh yeah, I thought Brian already knew that, and he he never asked me, and I was like, thank God he never fucking got into that conversation. <laughs> so, um, Eddie Gilbert, let's talk more about Eddie. Like, what was some of the like? Was Eddie somebody that when you got to ECW did did he was he attracted? I shouldn't say attracted. Like, did did he? Notice you, or did you go to Eddie for advice? And because I'm a big Eddie, I'm a big Eddie Gilbert fan. I was just curious, like, was that something that he saw something in you, or you just was like, this is the guy I want to talk to and learn from? Uh, fucking Eddie didn't see shit and shit. Okay. Um, uh, it's weird because Eddie saw what he could he could get out of you as to what he could get out of you kind of thing. Yeah. But um when I when I when I got to Eddie, like it was um I was a fan. Mm-hmm. I just kept running into him and I just kept getting autographs. 
And I just kept saying, like, dude, you're the fucking best. I mean, I, baby face or heel. Baby face or heel, I have no problem with what you're doing. And then one day, uh, you guys might know the date probably better than I do. Where was it, the uh, Terry Funk versus Eddie Gilbert? Was it an I Quit match? The match at the in, at the airport thing for the NWA thing. Yeah, was, it that, was like ninety three? And then Kerry Von Eric there. Was that ninety three? That wasn't the. I yeah, that was. So. I think so because I think that was. Uh, was that the NWA Bloodfest? I'd have to look that up and see. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't at the arena. It was at the airport uh, ballroom. It was. It was like I, I, I'm pretty sure. I know it wasn't at the arena. It was Eddie Gilbert, Terry Funk. I think it could have been I Quit. Terry Von Eric was there. Um, it was at that show. Okay. Well, I was in charge of being. Uh, I was in charge of being Eddie's like handler because Eddie knew me from being one of Carl Luzo's kind of lackeys, <laughs> for better word, and um. I also got kind of bummed into being Kerry Von Erich's lackey, which I would never have done again in a million years, no matter how desperate I was to get into the wrestling business. That was a total disaster. Um, especially, especially Eddie, at that yeah, time. Um, I heard, I heard Kerry was... Uh, go ahead, sir. Kerry, oh, that's what I was going to say, especially at that time, because I've heard some some bad things about Kerry at that time. He was in, ba- in a bad way. Yeah, you, uh, honestly, dude, I'm not. I don't even want to judge about what way he was in because I've never, I've never seen him do anything. But when I was told to go knock, knock on his door to get him to come down to the ring, because you know, because at a hotel you can just walk out of your room and get an elevator and walk. You know, you know how it works, mm-hmm. and then you can go down to the ring. And Carrie Von Herrick was supposed to be a surprise. Like um like a like a surprise for the show. But he was wearing his it was Texas Texas Tornado outfit but a blue mask. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, honestly, in today's world it would have worked a hundred times better than it than it worked then. <laughs> because everybody knew it was Kerry Von Eric, but there was no reason for Kerry Von Eric to not be Kerry Von Eric. There was there was no loser be Kerry Von Eric match, you know. <laughs> that's, that's there, there wasn't a reason for him to be somebody else. <laughs> well, I was like, oh Jesus! So so literally, like um, Eddie Eddie didn't live a, a lot longer, a lot a lot long after this night. But I actually bought a picture at his stand. Like that night, just as a fan, like I literally, like uh, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was, he, he, and honestly, no errands whatsoever, none. He didn't want you to do anything for him. Yeah, nothing. He didn't want you to pick up nothing, call anybody, do shit, nothing. He he just like, are you ready to go to the show? Are you? <laughs> well, I'm waiting on you. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's like, that's the best. And, and I'm just like, man, and 
I love how Eddie balked. Eddie, Eddie just took care of me. Like he, he looked at me like a kid in the locker room that he looked at me like I wasn't a wrestler until I was a wrestler until he made me a wrestler. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, do you know, I don't know if you know or not, Chad, like he, do, you, do you know if it, the, what I have heard is true? Of course, being, as my podcast is called We Can't Wrestle, obviously Aaron and I are not smart, we're marks, but do you know, are there any truth to the rumors that the WWF was looking to bring Eddie in as part of the booking crew before he passed away? <laughs> Uh, I go by. I, I would go by Jim Cornette's timeline, okay. and I would say no, because because there, there's so much intangibles that fall in place there. I mean, for one, you have the steroid trial, um, and Eddie clearly being on the gas, right? Uh, him barely even being on the booking committee in WCW, that wouldn't have done anything really good. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't think so. I think if Eddie was going to be a booker in in WWE, I think it would have been around maybe a year or two before that. But um, I don't don't think Eddie's name was ever brought up. And I think that pissed him off, honestly. (laughs) Because I, I I honestly never really hung out with him. Like, he never kind of, like, asked me to hang out. And I respected that because, you know, I didn't want my heroes to, like, disappoint me. And so I'd take it to his room or i go, like, so what do you need? A bucket of ice? I'll get you a bottle of water, blah, 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 and do whatever. <laughs> but I don't want my heroes to disappoint me. So I never really asked to, like, be part of his society. And he never really did. He never really did that shit. Like, um, like close the door and book shit. As far as I know, like he might, he might come up with ideas in his head and maybe erase some ideas down, down, but he wasn't like a guy that would just sit around with with his friends and just throw out ideas. Okay. And, and I was like, I thought, I, I thought he would have been honestly. That's how I am, honestly. So, as far as Polly goes, of course, we got to know. Did you did you have much interaction with Polly when you were in ECW? And if so, what is what is that guy like? I mean, is he what, is he what we see on TV? Is he is he really that crazy? Is it all theatrics? <laughs> it's 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 smoke and mirror. It's magic. It's yoga. <laughs> It's it's um it's parkour. Uh it's all of that shit. I don't know what the fuck to tell you about this one. Um I mean, like I I had Paul Paul's number. And I never knew, honestly, I never knew the pro wrestling etiquette as to like who you can call, you know. Mm-hmm. Like who you can call, when you can call them, why you should call them, how you should call them, whatever. I never knew. Nobody told me that nonsense. I figured I got Paul for a number. <laughs> Shit, I'm gonna call Paul. E. Might as well use it. <laughs> and I call and I get some guy to go. Yeah, I mean, what the fuck? I'm gonna have it with my push. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I call him. 
I, I call and I get some fucking goofy dude answering the phone and he's like, Hey, um, Paul's not here. I'll take a message and I'll just tell him that I call. And then I'll, every once in a while I go, Hey, can you tell Paul that I know this is you <laughs> and you just not call me back? <laughs> and, and, and every, every once in a while, Paul would call. It would be like every two weeks. He could call me and be like, Hey, uh, are you upset about something? And I'd be like, well, I tried to call you because I'm trying to line up like these dates. Like I, like somebody booked me for these dates. And he goes, well, I got your book for these dates or whatever. I'm going, well, you never called me. Or you could have answered the phone, but you had the mystery house guest <laughs> um, answer the phone. And actually, actually, if you, if you watch a lot of the fucking the shoot, Shit! I bet you the mystery house house guest. I bet you his name pops up more than you think it will. And I'm the one that coined that motherfucker. I'm, I said, "Who the fuck is the mystery house guest?" I'm gonna, I'm gonna be listening out for that. House. And <laughs> who, who, who do you think it was? Oh, I said I'm gonna be listening out for that now. When I watch shoots, now I'm gonna know. <laughs> well, I thought. Dude, originally I thought it was Maddie. Remember Maddie oh, in the yeah, house? Matt, Maddie in the oh, house. Guy. I hate that guy. <laughs> I never met him, but I hate him. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> now, see, I never met him either because he only did he only did shit in post, and I never met him. And I thought, and I'm, I just I thought that like uh, the guy said that like a cross between Maddie and Paul. <laughs> Paulie in the house. <laughs> so I, I just thought it was, I just thought it was Paul. It was Paul doing some, it was Paul trying to do some fake voice to tell you that he wasn't home and to leave a message because he, he would know why you were calling and he wouldn't have to listen to the message kind of thing. And I'm just thinking like, I know this is you. And who is this mystery house guest you got? Say, all right, man, this is, uh, so and so, I'm Paul. Hey, whatever, I'm staying at Paul's house, and you know, after a while, I was like, whatever, dude. All right, sure. I'm gonna try uh, that. I'm gonna try that trick next time work calls me. Go ahead, Aaron. Well, I was gonna say a lot of people talk about Paul Heyman, ask questions about Paul Heyman, but um, I was curious if you had any interest, like in in actual life. What type of guy was Todd Gordon? Did you have? I mean, obviously, you probably had interaction with him. How was Todd to deal with? I, uh, I mean, well, it's probably the worst guy you could ask about because I had no problem with Ty whatsoever. Yeah. Ty would hand me a check. He would think he would shake my hand and I look at the check and I see the check and I see that it was official and I'll go, thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mr. Gordon. And that, that was about it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Todd, Todd, Todd was nowhere near like a booker or a, or if Todd, I'm sorry, I take that back. If Todd was a booker or had anything to do with any of that stuff, he had nothing to do with anything on our end of the show. You know what I mean? We were the lower end of the show, and why would he? Just, sometimes it's nice to hear nice things about nice people instead of all the crazy shit, too, though. I was just curious. Yeah, I, I've never had a problem with Todd. Todd was always great to me. And, and As a matter of fact, I think Todd one time paid me out of his pocket, like um, when he when he forgot to write me a check. 
That's a guy you want to work for. <laughs> yeah. It's like the anti. Well, Todd, Todd was never a problem. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm guessing that Todd's problem was that the ECW shit got to his head, right? Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of like swelled his head and, and he wanted to be part of the show. I'm, I'm guessing. Is that what happened to him? It seems like that's the case. Um, and then, of course, after him and Paul... Yeah, had, I, yeah after, I don't know, but... After right. him and Paul had their falling out, that's when checks really started bouncing and stuff, so... <laughs> oh, the HHG shit was everybody scratching their head, man. <laughs> yeah, when we started... When we started getting the checks that were like HHG, and we were all going like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, we figured, all right, there's a Heyman, uh, uh, yeah, where is a Heyman Gordon? Who's the third H, or second H? That was house guest. We figured, who the fuck is this? Yep, it was the house guest, it was Heyman, and it was Gordon. That's what I, what I thought when I would read that in 2001 when Vince bought HHG Incorporated, I thought, what did he get, a briefcase with a ham sandwich in it? There can't be anything left. Dude, I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what they're, I, I don't know what they were trying to make the company as. What was it? <laughs> You can't just you can't just create a company and call it HHC. And what does HHC do? Well, they take care of business. <laughs> I, I guess I don't fucking know. So as far as the- I, mean, uh, I mean, they have no they they have no overhead. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, the materials, the the cost is nothing. What I mean, what are they doing over there at HHC? <laughs> So, as far as early days of ECW goes, one guy that, because um, to be honest with you, my my favorite time in ECW to watch is probably 93 until like early 96, and then I kind of check out. But I like the early days of ECW, and I wanted to ask if you knew personally or had any stories of Tommy Cairo, because I always liked Tommy Cairo to watch him, and then he kind of fades oh, away. Oh, dude, I, I feel so... Uh, do do you really know Tommy Cairo personally? No, I do not. No, I do not. That's why I, know, yeah, I wanted to know. Like, oh man, I I, I, w- I wish you did, dude. I, I just I, I just feel so bad for him when when Paulie booked me against him, and they booked me going over him, and I just was just like, why is this happening? <laughs> this should not be happening. And then I, I, I saw the writing on the wall, and I was like, man, they're writing this guy off. You know, like a guy who's been there. I, I don't know what the what the reason was. I don't have a clue. And I was just like, oh, my God, dude, they're writing this guy off. And then after he was gone, after I beat him, I, I, I liked him. I had no problem with him at all. I mean, you know, what I talked to him, fucking 45 minutes. <laughs> On a, on a on a Saturday night, and and then I met him again, like on an independent show, like a few months later, and we worked again. And I let him know that, look, man, I had nothing to do with this. You know, clearly, this is all this was all just political shit. Because I'm assuming he was a rock and rebel guy. I you know, and that was the end of that era 
what the Stevie Michaels and all them other guys that they had, um, you know, from the old ECW guys. Yeah. And and having me and and having me beat them was, um, you know, an easy way to send them out. Yeah, but yeah, I, I have that's nothing against Tommy Cairo whatsoever. He he was a great guy, and 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 believe you me, I felt completely bad about beating him. <laughs> I completely did. Like how am I beating this guy? Yeah, that's that's what to me it was always like when I was you know watching then, and then just go, when I go back and watch this stuff now, and just his abrupt his abrupt departure from the company and it's I think the guy could have had so much more to offer to ECW honestly and yeah I just I was I was curious about Dude, that I I agree then uh, on a side note uh, I agree he all go ahead sorry what's that I was I didn't mean to interrupt you you can finish what you're saying well well I was gonna say that I like the fact that um as he got older, he got that grizzled look to him where he started missing some teeth and then he started having that big, you know, muscular fat body kind of look. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's so much you can, there's so much you can do with that look. You know, there's a, there's a lot of craziness to that look. You know, when you're missing the top and bottom tooth, who does both? <laughs> Usually one of the looks of the, you know, the, Usually one of them are the other sexier looks, but this guy he had one, one, one or two of both missing, and I'm like, well, if this guy sticks around, he can do a whole entire brawling gimmick, you know, and get a whole entire second life out of this shit. Mm-hmm. Aaron, I think you had a follow up. Well, I was just gonna say, but I don't book. <laughs> I was just to say you brought up Rebel, and I know how Rebels life ended and I don't want to talk about that I just I when he was around and when I watched I was always kind of I, I thought Rebel was kind of an underrated an underrated heel and I just was curious of how Rebel was in the locker room and his work and everything of him was dude you're making me smile you're making me smile as you even say his name I just found the guy very entertaining. Uh, I thought he could have done a lot more, in my opinion. Or people could have done a lot more with him, not him do a lot. Dude, I can, I can tell you this. I can sit here, and the first thing I'm going to look at you, in my time frame, it's 844 right now at night, and I can sit there and tell you, fuck you, rock and rebel. <laughs> and I can sit there and laugh as soon as I say it. Because that motherfucker is behind some of the worst ribs, <laughs> of the, uh, and I mean this in the in the great way. Like Rock and Rebel was somebody that I have loved since uh, probably ninety three, ninety four when I first started at ECW. That that shit was um. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree about not talking about it, but I don't agree about not celebrating the shit that he's done. Well, that's what I meant. Like, I don't, I didn't want to harp on, I didn't want to harp on how it ended. I wanted to talk more about the the life he lived, you know, and and just if you had any, like, you just brought up ribs, like maybe some of the better ribs that he did, or just 
any positive type thoughts, Rebel? Well, I, yeah, um, we were managed by Jason at the same time in like '84 or whatever, and they had me. I was booked against Benoit, Sabu, and Rebel. And the same tapings. You know, I'm 190 pounds. Whatever. I'm probably half fucking loaded to begin with. And I'm thinking, what the fuck? And me and Rebel are going, and then when Rebel finds out that, he, that he's doing the job. Oh, this is the best. Rebel finds out he's doing the job. And he looks at me and he goes, what? <laughs> and, um, and Paul's going like, well, this is, this is what I want. And Rebel goes, oh, oh, okay. Okay, so we go out there, and it's I think it's on the network. I'm pretty sure it's on the TV. Um, well, Jason kind of fires him or whatever, and we have this match, and he beats the fucking shit out of me all around the ring. Like, he beats me outside, takes me over the guardrail, beats the fucking tar off of me, and I mean, fucks me up. Throws me in the ring and somehow I win. And he's like, fuck you, Chad. When, uh, when I like, when I like rolled him up and I was like, dude, I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> and, and me and Rebel were, uh, were honestly, we were friends like ever since. Like we, because we, I knew that he had the license for all the shows that we can get booked on the same shows. So yeah, like Rebel was, that, that was kind of a, that was kind of a big deal, man. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, that was the best. The look on his face, I am just going like, what the fuck? They're going <laughs> to put this little fucking fuck over me? That's great. <laughs> so as far as Jason goes, what about what about Jason? I mean, he was, he was uh, when I was a kid, or not a kid, but early teen, what have you, in the 90s, he was all over WWF TV talking about job guys. You know, he was jobbing on the WWF shows and then uh, the Jason character in ECW. How was he to work with? Well, apparently he made enough money doing jobs on the WWE that he got himself a nice suit. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much the WWE was paying for... Um, TV talent at the time, but he saved up all his trans money, and he got himself a fantastic suit. Um, <laughs> dude, if Jason even knew who the fuck I was, I'd be surprised. Okay. <laughs> that that levels that, then. <laughs> so yeah, I, so that to, uh, huh? to kind of put a cap on it, there's a story, and then we'll uh, we'll let you get back to your, uh, your friends and family, but there's a story that I want to hear. Aaron kind of alluded to this the other night when we were talking. Tell us about Arn Anderson and the Titty Bar. Uh, well, oh my God, dude, this is—I—I I feel bad because I got to find a better story to end this with because I—I I don't think this is going to be the—I don't think this is going to be the story that you want because it really wasn't anything spectacular. Um, okay. if you want me to, if you want me to paint it out like it was an eighties movie, <laughs> I can do that for you, but it might take a little while and I don't know how much time you guys got left on this goddamn podcast, but <laughs> I was invited to be in WCW. I was invited to be in WCW because I thought it was going to be a cruiserweight tournament. 
and I get there, and they decided it's going to be like, no, they're going to wrestle Vader. Not going to be a cruiserweight title a tournament match because clearly when I'm standing against my opponent, it's Vader. He's got 205 pounds and less. <laughs> and then I realized something is amiss here. And then when we go out to the ring, Vader destroys me in two minutes and 22 seconds. And then I realized my career as a heavyweight finished. So maybe I'd better go back to the uh, cruiserweight division <laughs> that this company promised me they were going to they were going to develop. And I go back to the, the hotel that we're all staying at, and Arn Anderson is standing there drinking, having a beer, obviously having a rough night because his booking ideas didn't go as he such plans. That's what I think they want to miss. And then he just when the the, the the lady comes in, she goes, "We have a bar going to the um, I think it's called the Dollhouse." I don't know what it's called. It's in Atlanta, and the the hotel bus goes there, and he looks at me, and he goes, hey, do you want to go? And I go, where? To the strip club? And I go, well, why wouldn't I want to go to the strip club? <laughs> and he goes, all right, let's go to the strip club. And he looks at me, and he goes, like, I'm kind of like a pimply-faced kid. <laughs> you know, you know, I got some borrowed singlets, some old boot laces that were from a grizzled veteran that I were handed down from generations. <laughs> you know, my knee pads that were mixed and matched. You know, I didn't have much going on for me as a young lad going on in those days. And we get to the strip club and Orange just grabs me by the, the shoulder and he tells me, come on, stick with me. And I go, okay, we're well, on innocent. I mean, shit, okay. And we walk over to the stage, and he hands me a 20. And as soon as he handed me that 20, I went and put it in my pocket. Because <laughs> that was better than I got for that paid off that night. <laughs> that paid off for getting my ass kicked by Vader, right? <laughs> or a little bit, maybe. Well, I, got a, I, I, actually, I actually got $1,000 like for the Vader payoff. But... That was like a week later, but the the Arn Anderson twenty dollar payoff was instant. <laughs> so I took it. Like fuck you, yeah, I'll take this shit. <laughs> and I, I can stop off at one of them. What do they call blimpies? <laughs> Blimpy, Where yeah. do you call that shit down there? <laughs> the sub sandwich place. Yeah, it was awesome. And like, <laughs> like yeah, like like Arn, Arn just wanted somebody to hang out with him at the strip club and me being so fucking unassuming with a fucking pathetic mullet you know and an awful looking physique and a borrowed singlet that he just thought that uh, you know I'll take this guy to the strip club because I'll get over yeah, yeah. Fact, yeah I, I saw what he was doing I gotta, he ain't gotta kid me I watch 80s movies <laughs> I know how to fucking I know how to get over on kids <laughs> So who, uh, okay, all right, we'll cap, the, I'm going to cap it off with this. Who are your, say, two best friends in the business? Oh, my God, best friends in the business? Yeah, just looking back on the on your time in the business, you know, who were the guys you were the closest with, your, your best your best friends? Dude, I'm, I, honestly, sir, I'm, get, I'm getting married. I'm getting married in May. And I had the heart, not, not, not this May, next May. Because, okay. uh, yeah, this could, you know, I'm waiting for something to happen. This, this, this can't happen. And um, 
I, I had when I had to pick my best man. I had to pick my best man based on who was going to get pissed off if they weren't the best man. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, this guy will get pissed off if I pick him, and he'll get pissed off if I pick him. So, so I had, so it's kind of it's kind of hard. Um, oh my god, honestly. I, I honestly really don't have any best friends in the business because I'm not in the business anymore. Okay. To tell you the truth. And Axel Rotten was probably one of my best friends in the business. Um Yeah, it's kinda it's kinda tough because most of the people that I know that were in the business are not in the business and that's not like why we have friendships. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, you oh, know absolutely. what I'm saying? Absolutely. I don't, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just not in the business anymore. And I get asked to do shit, and I did a match, like, last April. Dude, it was awesome. I did a match last April because one of my one of my best, oh, no, you know what? Who, who the fuck am I? The best friend in, that I have in the business is Ruckus. Now I feel like a total fucking asshole. I forgot to say Ruckus. <laughs> He's my best friend in the business. Do you guys know who, you, who he yeah, is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Combat zone, like yeah, yeah. Well, you DNA don't, you and shit like that. You don't have you don't have to worry about him hearing that. Nobody listens to the show anyway. <laughs> no, Claude won't give a fuck. Yeah, Claude's my fucking boy. I mean, literally, he lives down the street from me, so I talked to him so much that's why I didn't even think of it. Yeah, he lives right down the street from me. Well, but this, this has definitely been a pleasure, man. So if you guys have any more questions, I don't mind answering them because I'm having a great time. Because Aaron, do you have? If any- I go outside, it's not going to be talking about wrestling. <laughs> well, well, no, I, I think. I mean, there's no new jack shit. Well, I was going to say um, that was something I wanted to talk about, but um, with with this, and I think it's gone fairly well. I mean, I think it'd be cool to kind of have a uh, Chad Austin part two. We can maybe move more into like some of the later things, like with the new Jack situation and and stuff like that. If if you wouldn't mind doing another one down the road, I don't mind doing anything. All right, all right. Well, Chad, I want to thank you. <laughs> I'm totally, I'm I'm totally down. Awesome. Awesome. I've, I've had an awesome time talking to you, man. Um, this is, and for those of you that don't know, we have never, the three, well, Aaron and I obviously have, but we've never actually talked to Chad on the phone or anything before we started this, and I've really enjoyed having you on, Chad. It's been great. Oh, that's fantastic, and I, I enjoyed being on, and just a little um, conversation that we had before we went live on this, uh, the, the tape, that I felt like we were friends automatically, and and anytime you guys want to have you back on, don't even even hesitate to call me because you know we're already at, at, at almost nine o'clock tonight on my time, and I'm still you know ready to hang out. So you know I'm glad to be there. All right, and, and Chad, if uh, other people wanted to contact you for interviews or anything like that, did you want to maybe give them a way to get a hold of you? Anything? Um. Do, do you know how to get a hold of me? I do. I got a hold of you. Because I'm not very good at all of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, is there... Um, 
I know yeah, is there a, uh, the Chad? The, yeah, somebody tell me how to how to get a hold of me. <laughs> we can. Well, the way they can get a hold of you is they can get on the We Can't Wrestle Facebook page and just message you. There you go. Pretty simple. That's how we did it. Okay. Are you going to put my phone number on there? And then, you know, I mean, I might wake up. <laughs> you know, if you call me, if you, if, if you live on the, if you live on the West coast and you call me and it's like five o'clock in the morning and I look at it and it says, Hey, is this Chad Austin? I like go, Yeah. Yeah. So you can, you can put whatever you want on there. I don't care. Well, I mean, I, I might, I might get over it finally. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Chad. We appreciate your time, brother. And uh, listeners of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, thank you for joining us for this interview. Chad, thank you very much. Well, there you have it. Our conversation with Mr. Chad Austin. Um, Chad, thank you very much once again. I can't thank you enough for being on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And I hope everybody enjoyed the conversation. And we are looking forward to uh, sometime in the near future having Chad back on the show. I think that's going to be great. Um, just want to let everybody know before we sign off here that we are, I am going to start here in just a couple of weeks production on episode 100 which is going to be, I promise you, long as fuck. Lots of segments coming up, getting prepared for episode 100 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Um, that is coming up. Also, before we sign off, I just want to let you know a, a couple other groups that you can join on Facebook. If you're a collector of uh, action figures, posters, anything like that for professional wrestling, jo- do join The Asylum on Facebook. I highly recommend it. Um, also, The Asylum Wrestling Podcast. So, those guys, David Gold, John Majewski, Nick Francis, all my buddies over at the Asylum, and of course, We Can't Wrestle's own Archie Mitchell, a member of the Asylum as well. Join us there for some fun. You don't have to spend any money to have any fun in the Asylum. It is all about brotherhood, sisterhood, um, collecting, talking about wrestling, a great time. And also, speaking of Facebook groups, a guy that you... You listeners of the show know and love Mr. Archie Mitchell, one of our co-hosts, one of our admins in our Facebook group. Also, his group, World Championship Customs. Check that out, especially if you dig custom action figures, professional wrestling action figures. It is an amazing new group on Facebook, still growing. Check them out. So with that said, I have rambled on enough. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Chad Austin, and we will see you next time around on the Episode 96 of the Weekend Wrestle Podcast, which we are going to review WWF SummerSlam 1997. Looking forward to that, and we will see you next time on the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. Thank you.